Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. It is always a blessing to me when I can interview pastors that have served on the front lines, not just in ministry. That's important, but also in the military. And, and I didn't talk about this, Scott, as a former cavalry officer, I am blessed when I can speak with a fellow tanker or cav officer. Praise <laughs> God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, yeah, Scott I didn't Lafayette. know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scott Lafayette is a senior pastor at Woodland Christian Church in Woodland, Washington. In addition to his role as pastor, he's also married and has not one, not two, but nine children. Oh, God bless you, sir. Uh, he is an author of multiple books with more to come. He's also the host of Living God's Way podcast. His latest book is Your Marriage God's Way, a biblical guide to a Christ-centered relationship. It's available through Harvest, Pu- Harvest House Publishers, as well as all of the retail book outlets. Mm-hmm. Help me welcome to the program, Pastor Scott Lapierre. Scott, thank you for joining us today on the program. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Glad to be here. Have this time with you and your listeners. So. Amen. I, and I and even more so, yeah. even more so now that I know you're a Cavalry <laughs> officer. <laughs> Amen. When were you in? I, I forgot to ask you that. When sure. Were you in? Yeah, I went through ROTC from '96 to 2000 and was commissioned okay. in 2000. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh, I was. I left service in 1989. So. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, this Cav. Hurrah. Well, mm-hmm. I, well, I read that you were a tanker. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Got to get this guy on the show. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, after reading all that information, you know, like I say, reading here is almost like reading my life story, you know, except for the kids. I limited myself to two. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but thank you for joining us today. And, and the first question I always ask is, other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Scott LaPierre? Mm-hmm. Well, you did you did a good job there, Bob. I think uh, I if it wasn't evident from the description, I just hope people know I'm, I'm a Christ servant, and I hope that I uh, fulfill that role faithfully throughout my life. Um, you know, that's my highest calling, second to being Katie's husband, and then um, my children's father. I can name all nine kids, but that might take take a little bit of time. And then, yeah, the past probably a half hour on. program. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But anyway, no, no, where did you, where were you stationed at when you were in the army? Sure. So we, I was, I went through ROTC in a, at a school in Florida and then I was at Fort Knox, Kentucky. Fort Knox. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Yeah. Been there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the home of armor. That's right. Amen. George Patton, my hero. Mm-hmm. But, uh, amen. But you were raised in California. So you went mm-hmm. to college in Florida. Mm-hmm. Now you're in Washington State. How did all that happen? Sure, that does. That, that, when you say it that way, that does sound pretty, uh, pretty dramatic. The changes, but uh, my wife and I grew up together in Northern California, and 
I had an ROTC scholarship and there was a school in Florida, Florida Institute of Technology that had a really good ROTC program. I'm not a Christian at this time. I go right. to Florida. I'm in ROTC. I get out, just told you, go to Fort Knox, get out of the military and become a school teacher, an elementary school teacher and coach. And that's when I became a Christian. Uh, my brother had died of a drug overdose and some, mm-hmm. and I was struggling and some teachers at the school invited me to their church. Uh, one of the teachers, her father was the pastor and I went to the church. I didn't go to be saved or born again or anything along those lines. I just went because I was struggling and they told me, Hey, our pastor, he lost his brother when he was mm-hmm. about your, your age, his, his brother, I believe had been murdered. So it wasn't exactly mm-hmm. the same, but he experienced a painful loss. And they said, you ought to just come and talk, talk to this guy. And they'd already been asking me to come to church with them for a long time. And I kept putting it off. And then I finally said, okay, I'll, I'll come and I'll talk to him. And, and at that, and again, you know, I thought good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. I'm a good person. Um, so I didn't go to church to be saved or become a Christian. I'm already thinking I'm, you know, a Christian, I guess. Uh, and so I went there and I didn't bring a Bible and they handed me a Bible and the pastor started preaching and he read a verse and explained it, read a verse and explained it. And that was just the life-changing moment. I thought God was speaking to me through his word. I could understand it. It bore witness to me. You know, interestingly, Bob, I didn't even get to talk to the pastor about my brother that Sunday. And I was already looking forward to coming back the following Sunday. So I became, I became a Christian soon after that thought I was going to spend my life teaching elementary school. Um, but I just found my passion. I I basically, I want to tell people to open their Bibles versus tell a bunch of students to open their math books, you know, (laughs) nothing against, nothing against, um, teachers or any secular professions. But for me, my passion for Bible teaching and ministry was increasing and I don't, I wasn't feeling a lot of satisfaction, you know, doing anything else. And that's still pretty much the case with my life. And so, yeah, I went, I went into ministry in California. That's where we, we went back to, you know, California. My wife and I were from there. And uh, I started working at a church part-time. It grew, they hired me full-time, and but I was not a senior pastor. And my mentor was preparing me for that. And then we found this church in Washington that wanted a senior pastor. We came here in 2010 and figured we'll probably spend, you know, our lives here. So I've got a lot of good friends here, a lot of families that we're close with, and my children are close with the children in the church. And it's interesting, you know, you, when you, it's very nice to stay at the same church for a while because you see people who used to be, seem like kids to you who are now having kids, you know, yeah. you've performed their weddings, you've, you've been involved in their baptisms. It's just very uh, special. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I'm my callings as an evangelist. Right. And uh, that's why prior to the recording, we were talking about soul winning. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Sometimes pastors like, I don't know how you can just go from church to church to church. I was like, I don't know how you can sit in one spot all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a calling. That's why Mm -hmm. it's listed as a separate calling. Yeah. I had lunch. I I do some, uh, some speaking. My elders graciously give me about six to eight weekends per year. I've got this weekend. I'm not at my church. I'm putting on a, I put on marriage conferences as my main um, ministry when I'm, when I'm speaking. And so I have a marriage conference and then they often ask me to guest preach on Sunday. So I'm gone, gone this weekend. I would, I did the same last month, but I was talking to one of my elders about it yesterday. And, and then I've got some other conferences throughout the year. And he says, I don't know how you go to these, you know, conferences and meet all these people. And so it's a little, it's kind of interesting, I guess, after hearing you say that, it makes me feel kind of blessed that I get to experience both worlds to to an extent, you know, I'm most of the time at my church, but I do have these opportunities to go and, and, you know, set up my booth and speak and meet people and sell books, which, and generally I try to go with my family, uh, have my, have my kids involved. Yeah. So got ready-made ushers right there. 
Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, when, we, when we have our meetings and stuff, I've got seven grandkids, so they get drafted. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if you are nine years old, you're eligible for the draft. <laughs> yeah, that's it. My, my, one of my, my children are running my booth, you know, they're selling my books and they're that's just right. like incredible salesmen. They do a better job than I do. So I, I love don't getting them. Want my the dad's book. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, praise the Lord. So, but you start your book off with the statement that your marriage reflects your relationship with Christ. Now, I agree, but can you explain what you share in your book on that topic. Good. I'm glad you asked that. That's that's. Uh, I enjoy that topic, and I enjoy inviting people to consider their marriage that way and other relationships. And so I might just ask this question to your listeners. Why do you treat your spouse the way you do? Mm. I don't know what people might answer to that, but I would say you treat your spouse the way you do because of your relationship with Christ. And what I mean by that is a, is a husband is commanded to love his wife as Christ loves the church. It's, it's a commonly known command. And a husband loves his wife as Christ loves the church or doesn't because mm-hmm. of his relationship with Christ. And, and yeah. there are times, you know, I could be, uh, you know, upset with Katie and I'm, I don't always obey that command like I should. And, but when I do, I'm drawing on my relationship with Christ. I'm thinking about what he's done for me and that, you know, I'm, I'm angry with Katie, but, he, but I know what Christ has done. And so I'm going to do this. I want to pursue Katie or I want to love her because of what Christ has done for me. Similarly, a wife, and again, I don't do that always as, as well as I should. You know, I have this struggles as, just like any husband, um, but wives are commanded to submit to their husbands and respect them. Well, when a wife is upset with her husband, she can't draw on her feelings or relationship with her husband. In fact, it's her relationship with her husband that's causing her to not want to submit to him and not respect him. She has to draw on something higher than herself and in that relationship. So she draws on her relationship with Christ. So what I commonly say in marriage counseling or marriage conferences, you know, to husbands is, hey, your wife, she doesn't deserve your love, but Christ does. And I'll tell wives, your husband doesn't deserve your submission, but who is worthy of it? Christ is worthy of your submission. So a husband doesn't love his wife necessarily because he loves his wife in the moment. He loves his wife because that's what Christ wants him to do. And so it's a little bit of a paradigm shift for people to understand that we're expected to do what we're expected to do because of what Christ has done. It's, you know, you kind of think of, of Ephesians 4.32, when it tells us to uh, be gentle and, and speak words that are edifying. And then it says, because of what Christ has, has done Amen. for us. So yeah. there's kind of this thought yeah. that you're going to, you know, white knuckle it and try really hard and just in your own effort, you know, grow or change or do these things. And, and that's not it. Instead, we're, we lift our eyes above ourselves. You know, we think about what Christ has done, the gospel working in our lives. And then that provides the, the, the grace to obey these commands. So. Yeah. Amen. When, I, when I'm doing a marriage ceremony, one of the things I talk about is the love of God. It never says, I love you, except when. It just mm-hmm. says, I love you. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's all it ever mm-hmm. says. Mm-hmm. No, matter yeah, what not happens, what, no matter what you do, God says, I love you. Mm-hmm. And, and that unconditional nature you just talked about, that's the same unconditional nature that we see in the commands that I just talked about. For example, Ephesians 5.25, when it commands husbands to love their wives, it doesn't say, if your wife is or does and it doesn't say submit to your husband if he loves you the way you want to be loved or respects you or Mm -hmm. treats you the way that you want to be treated these are unconditional commands that we're expected to obey amen and since we're talking about that now because that was one of the questions i was going to have later uh you know what does 
submission mean? It doesn't mean what, you know, like a slave mm-hmm. from Ephesians 5, 24. It does not talk about when I perform wedding ceremonies. You know, I get down to the verse to verse 24 and I'll read that. And, and then I'll just stop right in the middle of the ceremony. And I say, let me stop right here for a minute. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> and mm-hmm. then I explain what that submission means. You know, the group Greek word is hupotasso, which means mm-hmm. basically stand along beside and support. Mm-hmm. It's and a military I, term, I, actually. Yeah, I, I get I get the, you know, the amen, usually from the women. It's amen. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's, I, I understand um, kind of the cringeworthiness of that word yeah. to some people because I wasn't a Christian growing up. And then I remember in my early 20s learning that wives are commanded to submit to their husbands and thinking that sounded incredibly foolish or chauvinistic. And so I, I guess I might back up. A little to get some momentum into this answer. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at any organization or structure in our world, you'll, if the, you know, there's leaders, if it's businesses, there's CEOs, if there's organizations, there's presidents, you know, there's head coaches, there's pilots. Um, so we recognize the need for authority or headship, but what don't you ever see? You never see two presidents. You see president, vice president. You don't see two head coaches. You see head coach, assistant coach. You see pilot, co-pilot, even in an operating room. I mean, who wants to be operated when there's two head surgeons arguing about what to do? And so my point is the entire secular world recognizes the need for headship and submission or authority and that you can't have two heads, that you're going to have problems when there are. So 1 Corinthians 11, Ephesians 5 identifies the husband as that head. And what does this look like practically? Well, Genesis 2, 8. So God creates, and at the end of each day, he, it says that it was good what he saw. And then the first time that he sees something that is not good, interestingly, the fall had not happened. We, we generally think everything was good until after the fall, but it mm-hmm. says that God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. I will yeah. create him a helper comparable, comparable to him. And so God has given wives to us as helpers. And interestingly, this is another term that can be offensive or cringeworthy to women. They don't want to be called a helper. And you know, Bob, one of the things that's that's sad about that is that title helper is more of God's commentary on man's inadequacy or man's insufficiency. Mm, It's actually, God is looking and saying, a man needs help. He kind of says, you know, Bob and Scott, you guys are not going to make it. I need to give you a wife that's going to, you you know, and helper is the title that's used throughout scripture. Uh, Jesus says he'll send the helper in Psalms. God is called the helper. It's a, it's a title of power, authority, significance. Um, So a woman should never, should never buck against or, or recoil at being called a helper. So how, how does a wife help her husband? Well, there are lots of ways, but regarding, let's just deal with uh, one aspect of it in this conversation about submission. A wife gives her husband counsel, her thoughts, advice. She provides suggestions. She can provide criticisms. You know, many times we've come home and Katie has said, you didn't listen to this person when they were talking to you, or you interrupted too much, or you, mm. and, and she, you know, you sounded kind of rude, or you shouldn't have made that joke. And those are all things that help me. I'll preach. And she says, you were talking too fast or so, but let's just say there's a decision that needs to be made. And the husband and wife have talked at length and a husband has listened to all of his wife's thoughts and, and counsel, and they can't come to an agreement. You know, the husband feels they should go left and the wife feels they should go right. So at this point, when the husband had, has heard all of his wife's thoughts, how, does, how do you proceed? How does the relationship go forward? You know, are you going to flip a coin or is it going to be paper, rock, scissors, and whoever wins gets to decide? So 
God has decided that for the relationship to go forward, the husband will, will be the decision maker, that it will rest on his shoulders. And that's when submission comes into play. So submission, at least in my experience, is not something that men f- throw around lightly. At least godly men don't. You know, rarely do, do they lay down the submission card. Um, but the fact is when a husband and wife have talked at length and there must be a decision and the husband decides what to do, then the wife puts herself behind her husband or arranges herself, hupatasso, arranges herself behind. So a, a woman is not agreeing with the decision when she submits. In fact, she thinks it's the wrong decision because, so for, here's, here's a situation I've heard many times. A wife will say, well, I would submit to my husband if I agreed with him. When a wife says that, she's revealing she doesn't understand what submission is. Because if you agreed with your husband, you wouldn't have to submit to him. Submission is entirely in place for when a wife doesn't agree with her husband. Um, if you agreed, then submission, how many times have, if, you're, yeah. if your wife makes your favorite meal, you don't say, oh, I'm going to submit to you and eat it. You know, <laughs> you're, you're, so, so submission is for when the husband and wife disagree and the wife goes along with her husband's decision that she actually disagrees with. Mm-hmm. And so God That's and a woman, can, a woman can struggle with that. But here's the thing, Bob, if, a, if the expectation was that a woman would make sure that she was convinced of the decision being made, then that would mean that she would never stop arguing. She can never stop pushing. So God says, you don't agree with the decision. You probably think it's, or you think it's the wrong decision, but I still expect you to submit to your husband and support the decision that he support, not necessarily the decision, but the mm-hmm. person making the decision. And so um, there's, you know, been lots of situations where I've seen husbands and wives and they don't, they don't really understand what submission is or isn't, but most of the problems in the marriage relationship relate to those two primary commands being Amen. disobeyed. The husband not loving his wife as he should, and the wife not respecting or submitting to her husband as, as she should. And if you can, and if you can draw people under those two commands in obedience to them, many problems just kind of have a way of working themselves out. But we, we live in a world that's um, you know, egalitarian. Do you know, do you know, does that sound common? Okay. So for any of your listeners that don't know, and I don't know if I'm talking too much, just let me know, interrupt me, Bob. <laughs> okay. I'm just sitting here drinking coffee and listening, brother. Oh, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> okay. So there's basically, um, it might be a little bit of an oversimplification, but two views of genders, uh, of men and women, there's what's known as egalitarianism, which I completely disagree with, which is the view that men and women have identical roles and responsibilities or commands given to them. Um, the view which I believe is biblical, and I think any honest reading of scripture uh, presents or people should acknowledge, acknowledge is what's known as complementarian. Uh, not C-O-M-P-L-I, like you compliment or praise someone, but complement C-O-M-P-L-E, fitting together, complementing. And what this means is God has given us distinct and different roles and responsibilities. And, and, and that's what I mean by any honest reading. We just talked earlier, and we can see that Ephesians 5 is written to husbands, and Ephesians 520, Ephesians 5.25 to husbands, Ephesians 5.22 to 24 to wives, 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6 to wives, and then verse 7 written to husbands. We can see that the same things are not said to exactly. men and women. Yeah. And so that's showing the distinctions between the roles. Now you see egalitarianism in what I would say are liberal churches where you have female pastors, where men are not expected to be leaders in the home or in the church. Complementarian churches are those churches that are going to be led led by men, and men are expected to be leaders not only in the church but also in the home. And I think it's Amen. the church has been on this kind of downward spiral or yeah. downward trend regarding complementarianism, and it, it's become such a, 
uh, plague or it's so wicked. Here, here's what I mean. Genesis uh, five and Genesis two, it says, or Genesis, um, I think it's was it one twenty eight. It says God made them male and female, male and female. He created them. Mm-hmm. Well, there's clear distinctions between the genders. And when God and when there was marriage, God recognized a man and woman together. Well, the world, in its rebellion against God, has blurred this line between the genders. It began with a blurring of men being able to marry men or women being able to marry women. But now that line is not even blurred any longer. It's removed. It's so yeah. it's erased so completely that a man can supposedly become a woman and a woman can supposedly become a man. I mean, maybe it was cross-dressing before, but there was nothing done to the body. It was just a man wearing a woman's clothes. Well, now there are people who are mutilating their bodies and claiming that they are the other, the other gender. Well, I'm actually not trying to criticize the world right now. I'm trying to comment on some churches that have not taken a greater stand against exactly. against the gender um, bl- exactly. the blurring of the of the line. So, yep. if the world, if the church is you know going downhill, we can't expect the church. We can't expect the world to be on the upward trend. It's got to be the church that's setting the tone and pursuing pursuing what God's word says. And God must look down and just just be you know, horrified, I don't know if I'd say horrified because he's not surprised by things. Disappointed. Disappointed. I can't imagine how he must feel looking at some of the things he sees. Amen. Amen. Well, you also share in your book that when problems arise, there's usually that underlying spiritual problem as well. How can we be on the lookout for those things before they even have time to fester and become dangerous? Mm -hmm. So, I'll, I'll, here's, I'll kind of give you the main point and then I'll elaborate. Generally, the horizontal problems we have are results of a, a vertical problem. And so what I mean by that is we have problems in the relationship with our spouse because there's something wrong vertically in our relationship with Christ. And so I commonly in marriage counseling, try to strengthen people's relationship with Christ because I believe when that relationship is strengthened, then the horizontal relationship with the spouse will be strengthened. And that's kind of related to what we were talking about earlier, that our relationship with our spouse is a reflection of our relationship with Christ. So just kind of picture this scenario. A husband and wife come in to me, come in for, to counseling with me. You know, they sit across from me and the husband trashes his wife and the wife trashes her husband. And the husband wants me to rebuke his wife and the wife wants me to rebuke her husband. And I start talking to the husband about the way, about his devotional time or his personal worship or his involvement in the church. And I do the same with the wife and they look at me, they're puzzled. You know, the husband says, you, did you hear me telling you how my wife disrespects me? And now you want to talk to me about my time reading the Bible. And the wife says, did you just hear how I told you that my husband screams at me? And now you're going to talk to me about what my prayer life looks like. You know, were you not listening? And I'll say, I was listening. And that's actually why I'm talking to you about these things because I believe that if you will be more prayerful or you will be in the word more, you're not going to be a husband who screams at his wife and you're not going to be a wife who terribly disrespects her husband. But if you're far from Christ, then you can't be expected to obey the commands that he's given you. But if you grow in your relationship with Christ, many of these things that look like problems, which are actually symptoms, are going to find a way of working themselves out. And so I think the best counseling is that counseling that keeps the gospel center and points people toward toward Christ and growth in him. And when that is strengthened, and when that's strengthened, then marriages themselves are strengthened. So what it looks like is it looks like getting a husband and wife to pray together or and they're on their own as well, read the Bible together. That's a huge um, topic for me. It, it's very dear to my heart to see 
families around the word of God together, reading, reading the word, this responsibility rests on men's shoulders because um, they're called to be the spiritual leaders. But, you know, if there's one thing I can really impress on, on families or listeners is the importance of not just, you know, being a Christian Sunday morning when you're at church, right. but having a Christ-centered home Amen. by being gathered around the word throughout the week. And I'm not saying you're going to be, you know, do it every single day, but trying to ensure that Christ is the center of your family, not just Sunday mornings. Yeah. Well, they may not do family Bible study every day, but they have to be doing personal Bible study every mm-hmm. day. I, I firmly believe in that. that even if, you know, that's, that's one of the questions I'll ask someone when they're talking to me. Oh, I got this and this and this. And I just don't know what to do. I said, when's the last time you read your Bible? I don't well have said. time for that. Really? Well, what are you doing well at said. four o'clock in the morning? Well, four o'clock, I'm sleeping. <laughs> you got time. <laughs> you can't give God 15, get up 15 minutes early. That's all you got to do. You know? Hey folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for today's portion of this great interview with Pastor Scott LaPierre. Now, this, this conversation is so important and his book, Your Marriage God's Way, A Biblical Guide to Christ-Centered Marriage is so good. Our discussion, folks, we are going to have, today is part one of a three-part interview. Hey, man, don't shut me down when I'm preaching. Glory to God. Pastor Scott has put his heart and soul into this, and the love of Christ is so expressive throughout this book. As you can tell from this conversation we're having, I urge you, go down below into the links, click the link to order your copy of his book, Your Marriage God's Way, A Biblical Guide to a Christ-Centered Marriage. It will bless you immensely. And be sure to come back for the next part of this episode, because folks, this is just part one of three parts, and you do not want to miss any of it. All right? Till next time, as Pastor Bob remind you again, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. 
Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success. Thank you.